The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome everyone, all of you intentional spirits, such gratitude for you, such gratefulness for your participation with us, not only in listening and supporting Unity Online Radio, but also tuning in on Facebook Live. It's always great to welcome you and see you from all over the planet, all over the world. I just like to reiterate, we love to get your comments. Um, We have an amazing guest today with an incredible story. We'd love for you to ask questions online so we may answer them or engage our guests. And also, thank you for sharing the show with other people on social media so they know not only about our show, The Intentional Spirit, but the incredible shows that they have on Unity Online Radio. Speaking of intentional spirits, you know, we talk about it every week. We have guests that give different parts of storytelling about their lives and, um, we talk about how often a person can go through something that is pretty pivotal. It's measurable in their lives, and what they do is they take it and they impact people forevermore because of their experience. And that's the type of guest that we have today is someone that's willing to share out loud their journey, a filmmaker, and an amazing storyteller. Bill Bennett, welcome to our show today. Oh, thank you, Temple. It's um, it's. Absolutely, honor to be here. Thank you. Oh, it's a pleasure to to have you. So, um, you have quite a story, and I don't want to tell it for you because you had uh, an epiphany, an awakening. Um, you had a moment in your life that turned you into a man on a mission. Tell our guest uh, what occurred in your life. <laughs> Well, this goes back 18 years. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I am a filmmaker, and I was working in New Orleans at the time in 1999 um, on a movie there, and I had to drive to the airport very early one morning. It was before dawn, and as I was approaching an intersection, I had a green light up ahead. I went to speed up. I was running a little bit late for my flight, and as I went to do that, a voice said, slow down. I'd never experienced anything like that before, and I wasn't—I was confused. I thought maybe I'm imagining it, or I wasn't quite awake. I hadn't had my coffee, and and I went to speed up again, and the voice said again a second time, but more emphatically, "Slow down." I did—I took attention that time to it. I did slow down, and as I entered the intersection, out of nowhere, a huge truck ran a red light, hurtled through the intersection just missed me by inches and well I, I was stunned I pulled up on the other side of the intersection I was shaking so much with adrenaline pumping through my body um, if that voice hadn't intervened and told me to slow down and more importantly if I hadn't listened to that voice and acted on it there's no doubt in the, in, in the world that that truck would have smashed right into me and I would have been killed and I left that whole incident uh, I was I, Three three things really hit me almost immediately. What was that voice? Where did it come from? And why why did it save my life? And those three questions really would sit with me and really become an obsession for me then for the next 18 years of my life. Now, had you uh, felt prior to that the, the true miracle that occurred that led you to the work you're doing and to this tremendous film that you have that we're going to be talking about. Had you had any kind of connection? Did, were you into any kind of um, 
spiritual practice up to that point? Um, did you have different uh, beliefs or opinions about the planet or how you got here or what's the purpose in all of this? Um, who were you like before? I always find that to be an interesting part of storytelling. Well, I'm not quite like Homer Simpson, but <laughs> you know, I, I was just a regular person. Um, I grew up in a, um, a secular household. My, both my parents were dentists. All my brothers and sisters went into the um, medical sciences. Um, I didn't have any particular religious um, thoughts or trainings or anything like that. I, I, I was a filmmaker. Before I went into filmmaking, I'd, in fact, I'd started off doing medicine. I went to med school. Um, and so that only reinforced this evidence-based outlook that I had been instilled in me you know, from my, from my home life and my parenting. And then I, I sashayed out of medicine. It wasn't for me. I went into journalism. And journalism only reinforced this need to really objectify everything, to, to be curious and questioning. And, 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 and really with journalism, it's all about skepticism. You've got to take a skeptical approach to things. And so that's really where I was at when this incident happened. I, you know, I'm probably no different from anybody, you know, you know most regular people. Um, but you know the interesting thing Temple is this since making the movie and since showing the movie around as I have I have been contacted or people come up to me after the screening and they say you know what the same thing happened to me and I have heard so many stories just of regular people you know like myself who have had um, a voice or something or precognition or something something mystical happening to them that has saved their lives or saved the lives of their children or, you know, in some way intervened. And what I've come to realize is that what happened to me that morning on the streets in New Orleans isn't all that extraordinary. It happens to a lot of people. It's just that most people don't talk about it because they're embarrassed or, you know, they're, they think that people will think they're weird or, or it's a very intimate thing and they keep it very close to themselves. But what I found is that the film gives permission for people to speak about it and to open up about it. And like I say, it's not, it actually, what happened to me wasn't out of the ordinary, I've come to believe, you know, that it happens more frequently than we realize. Yes, and because you're putting imagery and um, conversation with it and have brought in so many uh, experts, I imagine you have a number of people that are going back and rethinking and rephrasing some of the moments of their lives and um, and being aware, like you said, of that mystical intervening or something occurring that really spared them or saved them or those kind of things. Well, the movie that we're talking about, everyone, and especially those of you that are just coming in, we're talking about the movie PGS, Intuition, Your Personalized, Your Personal Guidance System. And we're talking with Bill Bennett, um, all of his life being a filmmaker, and through his studies in journalism. I'm just thinking, Bill, I mean, what a path that prepared you to be, you know, right where you are, to be able to represent this film in, in a way that really benefits and serves others. And I've had um, one or two of those experiences, too, where I absolutely have been spared. So I really... I really get that. Now, did you, once you had the experience in New Orleans and you were just kind of spellbound, you were in those moments and you're going, wow. Um, and as you said, what is the voice, you know, and where does it come from and, and why was it interested in saving my life? Did you know right away that, well, I've got to, I've got to make this into something or did that happen over time? Um, it happened over time, Temple. What happened was uh, I was sort of thrust then into the making of the movie and then to, for the promotion of it and so forth. My father died. You know, in other words, life happened. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't really think about making a film about it, but I was curious about it and I started to read and research and, and um, because those three questions sat with me. You know, they, they really... Uh, basically I was curious but this curiosity as I read more and, and started to delve more into what is intuition that curiosity became 
pretty much an obsession. And that happened, that incident with the truck happened in 1999. It wasn't until another five years later that I thought about making a film. And in fact, I get, went back recently through my, um, you know, through my, my, my archives and so forth. I think in 2004, I wrote the first treatment for the film. Um, and it would be then a further 10 years before I came to make the film. So it was a it was a long process. In part, it was so lengthy because two things. One is that I realised that making a film on intuition is not an easy subject to do. I mean, how do you do that? Um, right. And the second thing is that, and this is most interesting, is that I came to understand that I couldn't make a film on intuition, not the film that I wanted to make until I actually became intuitive myself. And and that that didn't take that, that wasn't an overnight thing. You know, that um that happened over over a series of a period of years. But I you know, the film in fact forced me to become intuitive. The film the film wouldn't allow me to make it until I had become intuitive. So there was a, a true message that you were supposed to bring and no matter what you did to get off of that intention it just wouldn't let you do so <laughs> exactly i mean what happened was this I, you know I, I have um i've been making movies all my adult life <coughs> excuse me and um and i tried to make this film the way i'd made my previous films and and i should say this is the first documentary i've made in, in 30 years most of the movies i make are you know, movie movies. And I tried to make this the way I'd made my others and it just wasn't working because what I was, what I came to realize was that I was using, um, I was using my will force. I was using my intellect. I was using past precedent. I was using all of those things that, that just weren't the right fit for a film on mystical intuition. Um, and I was getting nowhere. Every every time, I, in the past, if I got a, a a blockage or an obstacle in an attempt to make a film, I would just blast away through it. I couldn't do it with this, um, mm. and I needed to have a. You used the word before epiphany, but I, I needed to have an, another epiphany to make me realise that I was going about this the wrong way. Uh, and that there was another way to do it. And that epiphany came in the form of a dream. Mm. Um, it had been... I'd been trying to get this film up for about 10 years, going nowhere, as I said, and I had this dream, which was very clear-cut, and the dream told me, in no uncertain terms, that I had to throw away all the old ways of doing things. I had to be inventive and look at doing this film in a completely unorthodox and original kind of way that I had to not wait for the budgets and the crews and all of the things that I'd had in the past but I had to basically go out and do it myself jury rig it you know use whatever resources came to hand but I had to do it immediately anyway the thing about this dream is that I woke up out of this dream I looked across at the um, bedside clock by my bed and it was 4.44 in the morning. And I thought, that's strange. So I Googled. I immediately Googled. I had my iPad by my bed. I immediately Googled, what does 4.44 mean? And up came a series of entries that basically said the same thing. And what it said was this. that It said that 4.44 is a powerful angelic number um, telling you that right at this moment you are surrounded by angels, archangels, and spirit guides are urging you to move forward with your endeavor and if you use your inner guidance and your intuition you will be led to great success wow well, <laughs> so, I've, so I've read this straight after I've had this very clear cut dream and I had to make a choice then and there I had to make a choice and I knew even in my, <laughs> my, my sort of half, half sleep deprived state I knew intrinsically that it was a choice that was going to change my life and I chose to believe it I threw away at that moment I threw away all the 
logic, intellect, ego, personality, all that side of things. And I decided that I would embrace essentially what that 444 meant. That I would trust, that I would be supported, and that I would just let go of all of the old paradigms of doing things, and that I would just work with this new, you know, this whole way of doing. So what happened was I went back to sleep. When I woke up, I got onto my travel agent. I booked airline flights to India. I knew intuitively that that would be, that should be the place where I would start. I went out and I bought a camera and some sound gear. <laughs> and then I went on YouTube to figure out how to use them. <laughs> and, and, I, um, and I started making a film. That's incredible. For those of you just tuning in, take the time to go to the website, pgsthemovie.com. PGS as in personal guidance system. So pgsthemovie.com. Um, the film is being showed in sneak previews uh, throughout the country right now. Then I'm talking to Bill Bennett about his uh, profound experience of a voice what we call intuition, speaking to him, which spared his life. Um, we're tuning in. We have people listening. Um, we have um, people from South Carolina, Norway, um, in Florida, all over the country tuning in to us today, Bill. If any of you have a story you want to share about intuition, the voice, sparing you in any way, be sure and write it in our comments, and I can share it with Bill, or if you have a question for him. And and I, I think it's so beautiful because you're so right. You hear in passing, people will talk about some type of experience that has happened, but they don't necessarily put the kind of energy into it or really think about, you know, the miracle in it. I've had, you know, people on the show, and I've been on shows myself, Bill, when people will say, well, let's talk about miracles, you know, and people will say, well, you know, somebody left me an inheritance and I didn't think I was going to get it. You know, that was a, a miracle. Um, I was supposed to die. I had a, you know, near death experience, which made me start having near life and real life experiences and that kind of thing. But what I love about what you're addressing is kind of another side of that, because to me, Miracles are when your car won't start or you have a flat tire. I mean, we, we hear those stories. I've certainly used those in my, in my messages of, um, I can't think of the guy's name right now, but he was a great baseball player and he had a flat tire. He didn't make it to Miami to fly out. And, um, his mother calls him and goes, where are you? And he went, oh, I was late. I missed my flight. And she said, good thing. It just went down and everybody was killed. So those kind of things that um, I love the door that you're approaching with that, because it is uh, profound when people expand their awareness of uh, everything that's happening at any given time, that the voice is really trying to, you know, get our get our attention. As I say here in Florida, it starts out with the voice then it might be a big old pelican flying in front of our car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, how did it get your attention? But the beauty is you listened. You've listened. Was it, uh, did the voice have a sound? Did you feel it was part of creation, an angel or, um, and obviously like so many, I'm looking forward to watching the film, but, um, what part can you tell us about that without giving away too much about the film? Because the whole idea is we want people to see it. Well, look, the, the, um, the best way that I can describe the voice is this. Um, you know, when you put earbuds in your, in, your, in your ears when you're listening to music or you're, you know, um, uh, talking on, on the phone or something or listening to something on, uh, on the Internet... The sound that you hear is both inside and outside you, and you cannot really locate it. It's kind of... Right. Well, yeah, so that that's kind of like what it was. And in terms of whether it was me, I when I think back on it now, it was... I, I, and this is just a feeling thing, Temple. It, was, it sort of felt like it was me, but it was not me. So mm -hmm. it was both inside me and not inside me, and it was both me and not me. <laughs> so I don't mean to be 
hedging my hedging my bets here, but that's probably the best way that I can describe it. I certainly got the sense that it was an aspect of me, but not the physical me, if you if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. I totally, I totally get that. And um, was there um, an in sync way? Because I know that you were like, this has got to be me. I've got to do this film, and you were following your continued um, your personal guidance system. But um, you've interviewed a lot of people, um, many that um, a lot of people know that are on our show because they've been on our show, but. Uh, for example, James Von Prague, he's been here to our community. He's phenomenal. Um, you've had Dr. Norman Sheely, and um, one of my true favorites um, is Carolyn Mace. I think that she just comes from just an energy and a, a space that uh, we all would like to understand better. And, and many people um, from India and other places abroad how did that how did that process um, come about bill did you have some kind of guidance did you uh, do some kind of survey i mean you're a, you're a major player in the filmmaking industry you have won the equivalent in australia to the oscars here in the states and um, what process did you go through to get them or to know that these were the right people to do your show <laughs> Well, in fact, um, I'm in San Diego at the moment. I just had a screening with James Van Prague last night, and um, um, so it was great. I I had a bit of time, spent a bit of time with James last night, in fact. And I was I was telling him because I interviewed James quite early in the piece. Um, I, it took me three years to film uh, all of the interviews and do, do all the filming, and then a further two years in editing. So it wasn't a fast process. Um, Absolutely. But to answer your question. Um, I when I when that dream happened, and I knew that I had to, you know, just let go. I literally let go. So what happened was I went to India, not knowing who I would talk to. I just trusted that the universe would lead me in the right direction, and that's that's how I may end up making the film. I never had a list of you know the top twenty five <laughs> experts in in intuition in the world, and you know I never, I, I never had a list like that. I literally was led from one person to the other, you know. So I landed in um, in India, and somebody guided me to a particular um, ashram on on the Ganges at Rishikesh, and I ended up interviewing what essentially is people regard as like the the Hindu equivalent of the Dalai Lama, a living saint. Um, Somebody called out of the blue and said, "I've just um, I've just been to a cocktail party at the Beverly Hills Hilton with um, the Prince of Bhutan, and on your behalf, I asked him whether he would be interested in being interviewed by you, and he said yes. And so I flew to Bhutan and interviewed the Prince of Bhutan. <laughs> was, I mean, literally, you know. So um, Dr. Francesca McCartney and Sausalito at the Academy of Intuition Medicine introduced me to Judith Orloff and um, James Van Prague. James Van Prague interview, um, introduced me to um, Michael Tamura. Um, I was introduced to Norm Shearley and he introduced me to Carolyn Mayes. So one person led to the other and I never had any kind of um, regimented way of doing this. I, I literally just followed guidance. And the, the thing is, Temple, I now look at this movie, you know, I... Uh, I sit in on the screenings, not all of them, because <laughs> I've seen the film before, but I, I sit in on these screenings, and I look at this array of people, and it really is kind of like a who's who of intuition. And I, mm-hmm. I am just, I just, I shake my head, and I am just in awe of the powers that worked through me to get this film made, because I don't take any kind of um, authorship of this film. I mean, yes, I put I put my personality on it in terms of filmmaking technique and so forth, and it's a very you know stylish film. But in terms of the content, I was led to the content. I was guided to it. Um, it wasn't it wasn't by any conscious design at all. It, the film literally has been made through guidance. 
Well, it's just, I just, I love it. And I, I just love the whole conversation because, um, you know, it, when you're talking about, well, I, you know, I just, I mean, you've lived in your story so long, you know, it's like, yeah, I just, I took off. I just went to India, you know, I'm just walking around. (laughs) And then I just, I was talking to this person and all that. And every, everyone is engaged and the people listening on live stream are absolutely engaged and we're fascinated by the story. But the fun part is, and is, is to know that, this conversation, as much as people like talk about the theory of it or the possibilities of it or the mysticism of it, uh, the trained mind, which so many people out there have been trained, you know, that it has to happen a certain way. And then you do that and you have to have a plan and then you got to have a three year plan. You have to have a vision statement and a mission. You know, it's just like you can only imagine like what? <laughs> well. You know, the thing is this, I mean, a couple of things. I, um, for instance, you know, when I said I just went to India, I had tried to, um, I tried to line things up before I went to India, but I just kept on getting blockages. And I got on the plane and I didn't have a clue what I was going to do when I landed in India. But I'd been to India before and um, in doing some film work there. And so I was a little bit familiar with India. But on the on the ride in from the airport to the hotel where I was going to stay, it was like you know the first day of <laughs> setting off to make the movie. I I'm sort of sitting in the back seat of a cab, you know, starting to get really really kind of tense and sweating and thinking, crikey, I've, I've you know I'm starting this movie, but I don't have anything lined up. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then in my mind's eye, I recalled seeing a billboard by the side of the road. And I, I saw this billboard very, very clearly in my mind's eye because I, I must have seen it before on previous trips. And it, it was a billboard for the um, Bombay Yoga Institute with a phone number underneath. Anyway, so I had my iPad with me in the back of the cab and I Googled Bombay Yoga Institute and sure enough it existed and there was a contact number. So from the back of the cab, I called the office I got through to the assistant of the director and I said, look, I'm a filmmaker from Australia. I'm, I'm in India. I've just landed to um, make a film on intuition. Can I come and see the director? They said, yeah, sure, come, come around the next day. Anyway, strangely, as I, I completed the trip into the, into the hotel and I couldn't, I, I never saw that billboard. I thought, that's strange. They must have taken it down. I arrived at the... Um, the institute the following day and there was the billboard right outside the front entrance exactly as I'd seen it in my mind's eye. Anyway, I did a wonderful interview with the director and at the end of the interview I said, look, what happened to that billboard you had by the side of the road coming in from the airport? And she said, we've, no, we've never advertised like that. We, we, we haven't ever put any billboard up on the highway. And I said, well, look, it's exactly the same as the billboard you've got outside the entrance to, to your place here. And she said, well, that's the only billboard we've got. <laughs> So somehow or other, in the back of that cab, I had clairvoyantly seen that billboard to the entrance and it had triggered me then to call the director of the um, Yoga Institute. She then introduced me to the Swami at, um, in, in the ashram at Rishikesh. He then introduced me to other people. And that's how the film was made, you know, through these instances of... Mysticism. There's no other word that I really can 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 say other than a mystical experience. Absolutely, yeah. That there's no 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 question in that. That's that's for sure. Well, how many screenings have you had? Kind of a guesstimate on the film thus far. I mean, how idea is also um, my publicist, and she's amazing. I just adore her. And she's a great team player, that's for sure. But I, I just didn't get a chance to find out. Has the film been out that long? Well, the film premiered in the U.S. on the 10th of January at the San Rafael okay. Film Center. Um, in that big actually. cinema, the, yeah, the, uh, in the big cinema, the 360-seat cinema, it was a sellout. Um, and then it ended up playing in San Rafael for about three or four weeks further on. Um, we've had in total now, I guess, about 50 screenings all up. But um, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're kind of pop-up screenings. They're host-driven screenings. It's called Theatrical On Demand. 
Um, so if people want to see the film in the cinema, uh, then what they've got to do is they've got to host a screening and bring people in. The distributor organises the cinema. It doesn't cost okay. anything to host the screening. Um, but if people are interested in doing that, then they just need to go on, go on the movie's website, pgsthemovie.com, and all the details are there. Okay. So I want to make sure that everybody got that. Um, pgsthemovie.com. You can go there and you can tune in and find out when a screening is occurring and check in from that direction. Um, my uh, friend Elizabeth is in Norway and she's already saying, I can't wait to see the film. How do I see the film? And when will it be released in Europe? Um, we're talking to some people in Europe now, and possibly in the summer, in the European summer. Okay. Um, the, film will, the film will be online and available through DVD and online, I think, mid-September. Okay. So, Elizabeth, mid-September, available at DVD online. Otherwise, it would be in the summer... Uh, throughout Europe with some um, private screenings. Um, may I ask you, in your uh, process, Bill, of, you know, what is the voice and, you know, um, the, the second question, where is it coming from? Thank you, I do know that. And, um, you know, why was it interested in saving my life? In your, in your communications with other people, did you feel that a lot of the people that you were talking to, were there some similarities or were they surprisingly different as far as what they thought of what they were feeling? And um, were you expanded? I mean, I know in just basic conversation, we're expanding each other. I'm feeling expanded just talking to you. Hopefully I'm doing a little bit of that with you. But I mean, in a way that you hadn't anticipated. Was there a, a, a greater awakening through some of the conversations that really touched your soul? Uh, Temple, look, you know, what's happened is that I, I have gone through a fundamental change. A fundamental uh. change. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the person that, that I was that set out to make this movie. Uh, everything has changed. Um, I, I started out being somebody who did, essentially essentially didn't really believe in any of this stuff. I've, I've switched around totally. I mean, I, I, I set out, really, I set out with, this, uh, with the intention of trying to make this film without mentioning the word God because I felt really uncomfortable using the word God. It, it had so many uncomfortable connotations for me growing up in the, in the household and <coughs> pardon me, in a very conservative part of Australia, as I did. But I came to realize that you cannot make a film about mystical intuition and not find God in some form. And by find God, I'm not talking about you know, some kind of um, evangelical, kind of born-again Christian sort of thing. What I'm talking mm -hmm. about is I'm talking about understanding that there is a higher power, there are greater forces at work that every day, every moment of every day, try to influence the way you live your life the choices that you make. What I've, um, what I've come to believe is that this is why the film is called PGS, Intuition is Your Personal Guidance System. I've come to believe that we are born on this, we are incarnated into this earthly plane with a blueprint, with a purpose in life. Um, and what happens as, you know, very quickly after we're born, the veil drops down, and we don't remember that purpose, but it's within us. It, it, it is, as Carolyn May says within, uh, in, in the movie, she says it's um, God in your DNA, divinity in your, in your DNA. We, we have this purpose, and the, and the purpose of intuition is to keep us on our purpose. And when it comes down to it, and one of, one of the things that I've tried to do with this film is take a very, very complex ethereal, ephemeral kind of subject and bring it down back into terms that are very accessible for, you know, for regular people. Um, what I understand is that intuition at its, <coughs> pardon me, at its core is a messaging service. It's a messaging service from this, from the divine, from a higher power, from a higher source, um, the creator, source, whatever you want to call it, God, you use whatever 
term you like, but it is a messaging service to keep us on our purpose through life so that we can we can realize the full expression of who we truly are. And who we truly are, when it comes down to it, is an aspect of the divine. Mm, absolutely. Now, simple. Yeah. I, I, you know, here I am. I'm sitting in a in a hotel room in in San Diego, right? And trains just gone past outside. I don't know where you heard it. And I almost can't believe that I'm saying these things because four or five years ago, I could not have envisaged myself being here right now, speaking to you on in this amazing radio show that you've got, saying what I've just said. I mean, the switch around has just been huge, absolutely huge. Mm-hmm. That is so, it, it's so powerful. Well, in, a, um, in a, a couple of books that I've, I've written, I refer to uh, the GPS system, and I talk about the God personalized system, um, because I understand that, and I get what you're saying, because often when people say they're uncomfortable talking about God, or they don't think that that would be the right way to go, I agree with you. I think that people are talking about, I don't want to talk about the God that I was taught about when I grew up because that God would not include me in very much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. So, yeah, so in that, um, so I called it uh, the God personalized system and not that I so much need to talk about myself that much today, but um, I really identified with that, and it, it helped me articulate to people that over time you learn to trust that God-personalized system, that GPS, it's kind of likened to the people that you'll get in the car with them, and they put in a new address in their navigation system, and they, like, argue with it the whole time. You know, well, it's telling me to turn left. I don't really feel like it. I, it doesn't feel right. And I'll say to them, have you ever gone there before? And they'll go, no. And I go, well, don't you think you ought to trust it? <laughs> you know, yeah. because if you don't, you can't get mad at it if it doesn't take you to your right your right location. So um, I, I just had a, a heart moment, you know, when I started really reading and delving into your material. I went, well, that's. That's so cute because PGS and GPS are kind of like cousins. Um, we may be cousins somewhere on the planet, but I love um, what you have done and how you have shown from many different angles of teaching and life experience from a lot of these leaders and, and, and dignitaries in the world that people really take what they say to heart because of their depth and experiences it's it's just such a such a beautiful thing. Well, you were saying earlier when we first started that you were getting some good input from people. Um, have you had like, oh gosh, I won't ever forget that, or I'm so glad I did this film because when I was seated here with this audience member, just to hear what they said made it all worthwhile. Have you had two or three of those stories? I mean, I know oh. you have. <laughs> oh, yeah, simple. I mean, every single, every single screening, somebody says something to me or tells me a story. <clears throat> Look, probably the most profound thing is that, that I, I had one screening in California, and um, after a screening, after a Q&A, I get surrounded by people and they want to talk to me and so forth, which is just wonderful. But there was this one person kind of hovering on the, you know, on the periphery, and he was... A young man, and he was very skittish, and uh, and I and he was waiting for me, and, and I found a clear moment. I stepped up to him, and he just said, "I just want to tell you that I have been thinking about taking my own life, and now having seen this film, I'm not going to do that." And then he just walked off. Oh and wow! That just scared oh. me. Oh my gosh! That's. that's that's that goes in your journal, Bill. That one goes on the big <laughs> caps and yeah. letters in red. Yeah. Oh my word! Yeah. Um, I'm. I mean, what? Yeah. Look, look. One of the things that I realize now, looking back and looking back on the whole big picture, is that that voice really. The, the the reason that, look, one of the things that absolutely perplexed me was why was my life saved? Because not like I've lived a you know a, 
a pure saintly life and, you know, being um, pious and all of those kind of things. You know, I've, I've led a regular kind of life where I've done some, you know, things that I'm not... <coughs> not <coughs> now the coughing comes in, not particularly proud of. You know, made mistakes and, and all of those sort of things that we all do, that, you know, all very human things. Um, so then it begs the question, why was my life saved? And I've now come to the belief that the reason that that voice um, interceded as it did is so that I could make the film, so that I could tell people that intuition exists, it is there for us, we, sh we should trust it. Its purpose is to help us make the right choices in life, really when it comes down to it. The number one, the number one purpose of intuition, I believe, is to keep us alive because we can't fulfill our life's purpose if we're dead. <laughs> you know, so, so the number one purpose is to keep us alive and keep us safe from harm. Um, but then it is a, truly a guidance system. And if we get to a point where we trust it and are prepared to follow it, then things are going to work out. They may not necessarily work out in the kind of linear, logical way that you think they're going to work out. You know, because the universe or creative source God, whatever you want to call it, you know, has a bigger plan. It has, it, it has like, you know, the whole, the whole chessboard there. It knows all the players and all, all of the things that are going to happen. But if you trust and give over to it, everything's going to come, work out okay. And it's absolutely essential. You're right. I mean, we used to say years ago and. Anytime I'm talking about community or spiritual centers or anything, I'm talking about spirituality, not religiosity. Um, but it, you know, we, we used to say early on, you either listen to the whispers or be prepared for the big two by fours. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And now when I look back on my life, I realize <clears throat> on those occasions when I didn't uh, follow my, you know, an intuitive ping, I call them DDMs direct divine messaging <laughs> and on those occasions when I haven't followed that I've, uh, I've, I've got whacked absolutely and it's taken me quite a long time to realize that in fact that was a lesson oftentimes these are lessons that need to be learned uh, you know as part of our growth and our moving forward absolutely yeah I, I, I agree with you I, I can't even say all the times I went, oh gosh, I wish I had listened to myself. <laughs> I wish I had listened to that. I could have spared myself a lot of uh, a challenge and issue, that's for sure. No doubt, no doubt about it. Well, now that the film is out and you have had, you know, this whole space in your life, and um, do you feel that it will have, uh, will it change the kind of films that you make? Um, do you have plans to make more films related to similar topics or uh, what do you think is in, I mean, right now I know you're still in the freshness of, well, I'm in this film now, but do you see that it's going to change some of the things that you do in the future? Oh, yeah. Um, Temple, look, I, I, I can't go back to the previous way of, of living and thinking. I really can't. Um, mm -hmm. It's really funny because when... You know, when I read that that um, 444 passage, you know, and when I did that Google search, you know, I think I said intrinsically I knew at that moment that should I believe this, then my life would change. Um, and that's what's happened. So I can't go back to making films that don't have meaning and that well, my term is films that, that are worth making. Um, I... I want to make the, the next film that I make will be a film like PGS, and I want to make it on fear, because I do believe that fear is almost a companion piece to the film that I've just made. So one of the biggest inhibitions, one of the biggest things that stops people accessing their intuition, is fear. Um, what what happens is that you'll get an intuitive thought. See. One of the things that I've learned in the making of the film is, is this notion of first thought, best thought. Your first thought is your intuitive thought, and that's the thought that um, has sort of jumped over all the boundaries of logic and rational thinking and common sense and so forth. And it, it just, you know, it just 
bang, it's there. That's your first thought. That's your intuitive thought. And that's your best thought. And a lot of people reject that best thought because of fear. Because that, um, that first thought is the thought that will take you into the unknown. It'll take you into that intuitive place where true discovery lies, true creativity, true originality, true freshness of thought lies. But, um, but what happens, and, and, and oftentimes that's, that goes against common sense, it goes against you know, uh, peer acceptance, peer pressure, your social upbringing, your parenting, you know, what your parents would say, what your friends would say, oh, you can't do that, you, know, you can't turn left at that intersection, you've got to turn right and be safe because you know that by turning right, you're going to be on that path that we've all trodden. And turning left takes you into the woods, it takes you into the unknown, it takes you into space. Um, what happens is that when we when we deflect to fear, when when we when we we reject that first thought, we go with the second thought, which is a safe thought. What we do is we go back to what we've known before. We go back to we go back to our archives. So we dig back into common sense, um, rational thinking, all of that. By definition, it means that we are we are digging back into the past in what's known. And so when we go to our second thought, we're always pulling from past experience from what's known. And consequently, um, you lose that originality, you, you lose that freshness. All you're doing is regurgitating something and repackaging something that you've known before. If you go to the first thought and you step into the unknown, if you step into that limitless, boundless space that is intuition, that's where true creativity and true discovery lies. And, but, like I say, the thing that stops most people doing that is fear. And so that's why I like to make a film on fear, because I really like to explore that in a kind of way that I've explored intuition. You see, I, I'm, I've made this film on intuition looking at it from three angles, uh, spiritual, religious, and scientific. So mm. I've used those three viewpoints to look at intuition. I'd like to do the same thing with fear as well. That's extremely powerful. Oh, look, fear is the thing. You know, fear is the thing that causes so much anger, so much hatred, so much, you know, um, racial um, discord. Um, it causes conflicts at home. It causes conflicts nationwide. It causes conflicts internationally. Um, you know, if we can, if we can start to live more intuitively. The fear is going to drop away, and I've got to say, Temple, I'm, you know, when people ask me how have I changed, one of the re one of the ways that I've changed is I've say I've largely now, not totally completely, but I've largely now dropped fear away out of my life because if uh -huh. you truly believe, if you truly believe that you are guided, you know, that that guidance, and you accept this notion of guidance, then what can you be afraid of? You know, you, suddenly, suddenly you don't need to be afraid of death. You don't need to be afraid of illness. You don't need to be afraid of lack or loss or, you know, lack of respect or lack of social standing, any of these things. They don't matter anymore because if you truly believe in guidance, then everything's going to be okay. Now, that's not kind of Pollyanna thinking. That's not sort of, you know, <coughs> wishful thinking or anything like that. That is a true belief and understanding in what guidance does and the way the universe works, and the way that you are protected. Just like going back to that 444 thing, you know, that, that 444 passage said, I will be protected. And I have since lived my life by that, and, and you know what? It's true. It's absolutely true. No, I, 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 I totally am on, on every page of what you're saying, and I, I absolutely agree with you, and I, I, I really look forward to... Um, you're bringing out more information about fear because as long as a person is afraid, they have collapsed their ability to be a thinker for themselves. As long as yeah. someone is guided by the deep-rooted fear, I mean, we're trained, uh, some of us, some people are trained from the time they're little. You know, I mean, you start out with parental guidance, be careful, be careful, watch out, be careful, don't get hurt, be careful, be careful, be careful. And then you're in first grade and you have to jump under the desk because they say, well, the end of the world, if it came or if something happened, this is what would happen. You know, and it, yeah. it just kind of starts from there. And when we're, when we're, 
excited by that energy of fear, then we tend to believe, well, there's a product I've got to buy. You know, I've got to go every year and get a checkup. I've got to, I mean, we're programmed. So fear has helped a lot of commercialization. A lot of products sell off the shelf. A lot of things that we perceive that we don't have that we need. And, and with your addressing this, and a life without fear, because it can be eliminated to an extreme level. Um, and in having that experience myself, and it, it is about that inner awareness that what I have, I will need. And what I need to know will be provided. It's a whole different way of living than just being at the mercy of the next thing to be responding to because you're 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 into that level of vulnerability um, because you're you're afraid. I've been doing some studies with children, you know, that talk about what they're afraid of um, when they're little, you know, and having the lights out at night and stuff like that. And what happens a lot of times when children will come to an adult. The first thing the adult says is, well, you don't have anything. Why would you be afraid? And Well, you did. what if you had to sleep in the room I had to sleep in when I was little? And, you know, blah, 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 you know. But it's interesting talking to them about the conversation. And two or three times what I've gotten in talking with them for 30 minutes, not talking at them, but talking with them, is that part of it is they're resisting no longer being a little child, but being an adult. And that's that's their way of articulating it, that they're still getting attention. They're still, they're saying underneath that, treat me like I'm still little, even though I'm not. Act like I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting, it's interesting, Temple, because you look around and you see the way that fear permeates um, everyday life in ways that probably aren't even acknowledged. One of the things that I like to talk about are these stupid SUVs that people drive, you know, that, that chew up too much gas, that, um, that yes. you know, that are totally impractical. Most people don't use you know, the four-wheel drive system or anything like that. When it comes down to it, they say that they, they buy this vehicle, this big, massive metal vehicle, because they feel safe. Now, <laughs> in fact, it's probably stupid because the car is less responsive than a normal sedan. It probably doesn't have, because of its bulk, it probably doesn't have the stopping power that a normal sedan has and all of these sort of things. But they, they say, I feel, you know, I'm up higher, I'm able to see more clearly. Nonsense. I mean, you can't see <laughs> You know, I mean, just the simple thing of buying an SUV is an act of fear, I think, in most in most instances. It's you're so right. You're you're so right on. Um, everyone listening, we're getting great comments. Um, uh, someone wrote in; they love the direct divine messaging for the the DDM. Um, they said thank you for that. Um, many people are saying thank you for your willingness to tell the story. Um, some are saying, you know, fear is what runs the pharmaceutical business. Thank you for giving that some attention. Um, we've gotten a lot of good feedback. I want to thank everyone for being on our show today. The time goes by always so quickly. More importantly, I want you to get this film. I want you to take the time to go to PGS, Personalized Guidance System, PGSTheMovie.com. Find out either where you can watch it or how you can purchase it. Um, it's right up our conversation, right up our alley, as we would say, because we are so about the intuitive presence and, and power, and we're so blessed. Bill, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Um, much success to you, and who knows, our paths may cross. I have a feeling they will. I'm intuitively getting that, that they will. So we'll see what happens with that one. But Many, many blessings to you and, and much success. Thank you, Temple. Yes, I, I really do hope our paths do cross and um, I hope um, I hope the universe uh, conspires to make that happen. <laughs> yes. Well, we'll put that out there, all right? Thank you again. Okay. Bill Bennett, filmmaker, on our show today, pgsthemovie.com. God bless you, everyone, on this amazing journey that we call life.
Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. the saying a good deed is its own reward well moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward it will also reward you with vibrant health boundless energy an easy way to keep your weight where you want it and according to yogis and unity's co-founder charles fillmore even give a boost to your spiritual life on main street vegan the radio program named for the popular book Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. that the Buddha gave us the formula to create a beautiful, abundant life. Did you know that Jesus gave us the formula to create a beautiful, abundant life? Did you know that both these masters taught exactly the same thing? And guess what? They did not teach the law of attraction. They taught the great paradox of prosperity. You can have anything you want. Why, you can have things you don't even know you want, but not by wanting them. Instead, put your attention on the vibrant presence of the divine within. Do that and your life will change. It has to. That is the natural order. Want to crack the code on the great paradox? Get Janet Connors, The Lotus and the Lily. Available everywhere great books are sold. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Reverend Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die... 
They don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.